0: Chapter Eight of A Yellow Journalist by Miriam Michaelson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Hanged at the yard arm, which penalty Miss Massey suffered. I read the news in bed next day. It was all I was good for, to lie there and crow, crow hoarsely for the cold I'd caught pelting about in the rain had shut up my throat. There was fever, too, and in spite of that glorious first page, I was cross and peevish. Way at the bottom of my cup of delight, there was a bitter drop, so bitter that at last I got to hate the sight of the wretched story that had made me forget what—what women don't forget. Just the same, I put on my new checked gown and my sauciest hat, and sauntered into the office just before five. You always go down to the office the day after a thundering scoop. You pretend it's to get your letters or to blow up the artist or to look after some pictures which are in the clutches of the art room and which you've promised to return. But it was none of these reasons that brought Rhoda Massey downtown with a hot head and a strained throat to the local room when the place was full and every editor small and great on deck. Nor was it just a greed, greed to savor the last drop of honey in the bucket, to get the satisfying second round of applause, to listen to the deliriously sweet echo of success and get the full flavor of the aftermath. But she got it that day all right anyway. There wasn't an office boy that passed her without an appreciative grin and a heartier pride in the office borrowed from her achievement. The whole local room exploded in one magnificent hoak when she opened the door and stood there, smiling a bit deprecatingly before them. The stars of the office and the editors and that same Rhoda Massey, in her checked gown with the elbow sleeves, held an informal pow-wow in McCabe's room, and our shifty little boss himself joined the party. The story was talked about. Talked about? It was discussed fore and aft. Every great scoop in the history of journalism was dragged from its grave and compared with it, and it held its own triumphantly a thing bigger than precedent, a challenge to posterity. Perhaps you think Rhoda Massey wasn't happy? Well, she wasn't. She was miserable. The lack of one clear, dominant tone from the chime of bells made discord of the music. "'That's what happens to a girl,' Rhoda Massey. I said crossly to myself as I sat down at last before my desk and began to tear open letters.' When she quits watching stories and makes an item of herself. When she stops editing a page and becomes a miserable little paragraph. When she opens the gates of her heart like a simpleton and lets the floodwaters of another individuality bear her off her feet. When she gives a man the right to make her miserable and... And he takes it. Oh, he might have been magnanimous, Ted Thompson. Not last night. I deserved what I got then. "'but in the morning when wrongs don't look so big as they do the night before. "'If he'd have got a scoop like that in the days when he was a journalistic freelance like Miss Massey herself, "'I'd have forgiven him anything he could have done to me. "'The moment I had read the thing, I'd have rushed to him to pat him on the back, "'to exult in him, to give him the pleasure of telling me how he did it, "'and me the delight of listening.' "'Somehow a scoop hardly seems a scoop if you can't tell one man about it, "'if you can't know he's proud of you and admiring and glad to call you comrade.' "'I didn't know it. "'I suppose it was depression from my heavy cold "'and the fatigue and reaction from the strain of the night before. "'One good thing was that Colburn, the commercial editor who shares my room, "'never comes down in the evening, so no one saw me.' Still, when the tears came plashing down on an envelope I had just torn open, obscuring the news letterhead in the corner, I was furious. That's right, cry, Rhoda Massey. I sneered at me and wiped my eyes fiercely. Cry like all the women you've written up because of some man. Oh, you beastly little coward, you're like all the rest of them. But I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I tore the letter out of its envelope and—and then— Oh, fancy a city editor crying. A city editor in her best-checked gown, with a tiny new polo turban perched upon the proudest head in the office. In the office? In any office. A city editor. Rhoda Massey, city editor. Oh, I say, do you know that for one woman who gets to the city editor's desk Nine hundred and ninety-nine go down to death and obscurity in the woman's page. Do you know there's not another woman in the west holding such a position? Do you know that reporterettes, as Bowman calls them? Ahem, Bowman. Bowman who trampled upon a poor little green girl reporter when she chirped her first hoarse timid note. Bowman had evidently been superseded. By whom? by that same small road a Massey he'd scorned. Oh, nuts. Mr. Bowman, will you just take the waterfront detail for this week? I'll see what can be done later to make a change. Or, who's responsible for that rot from the city hall? Bowman. Now look here, Mr. Bowman. The news won't stand for copy like that. A little more news and a little less Bowman hereafter, if you'll be so good. Or, Mr. Bowman, I'm awfully sorry, but you're scheduled for the late watch again. Now there's no use kicking any man in this local room who doesn't like the way it's run. But this last was too much like a quotation. Did he know, though, Bowman? Did anybody except McCabe and the boss know? Did, oh, did Ted Thompson know? I jumped from my chair. This was a way, a natural, a bully, an irresistible way, it seemed to me. With that bewitching note clutched in my hand, I made a dive for the news editor's room, just across the little hallway from mine, and... And there in the dark I stopped short. Through the open door came the sound of an old woman's voice talking to Ted and McCabe. It all left me then, the glow of triumph, the intoxication of power and pride in my work the assurance that in sharing my happiness with Ted I'd double it for myself. It all shrank and shriveled away and left, not Rhoda Massey city editor, but a girl whose heart hung trembling upon a chance, the fickle chance not of discovery, but of interpretation. She seemed so young, so innocent to be working so hard, my heart bled for her. My own burden was heavy, You will readily understand, gentlemen. Yet I was good to her. That a child like that could be so deceitful, so heartless. But you knew Miss Massey was a reporter, Mrs. Lowenthal. Ted's voice was gentle. The old ladies' department, we used to call him, so susceptible he is to some quality that belongs to mild old faces and patient-spectacled eyes. A reporter from a paper? "'Oh, no! She was a nurse, she said, sent by Dr. Norris. "'I thought at the time it was strange he should change his mind and send a nurse, "'but I couldn't bear to deprive her of an opportunity to make a little money. "'She might need it badly. "'She did not wear the nurse's uniform, "'and I thought her too poor, perhaps, to afford one. "'How could I tell?' "'There was a pause. "'Oh, if Ted would only speak!' I knew what McCabe would say. I knew he'd back me in anything. But sometimes a perverse something makes you care nothing at all for the man who judges you leniently, and everything in the world for another man who lifts you to a standard it tries your soul to attain. But not a word came from in there, and the silence seemed to be weighing me and to find me miserably lacking. And yet what had I done? Brace up, Rhoda Massey. I said to myself. You've only made use of the common stratagems of war, and I tell you war times all the time if you're a girl making your own living. But just the same, just the same as I stood there and listened to the story of Rhoda Massey's biggest scoop, told in that soft, slow, dignified voice, all the smartness, all the devotion to duty, all the victory was stripped from it. It looked seen through tear-dimmed old eyes it looked a wanton cruel treacherous holding up to the public gaze of innocent creatures sore wounded who asked only the boon of silence and solitude to bear their misery in such poor little fake pretenses these were of saucy dashing miss Massey, and black with deceit her smart little lies were cheap detestable her courage was brazen just the soft, sorrowful murmur of an old woman's voice had, like a charm, transformed a bold, fearless, and skillful journalist, fighting against odds, into a hard young creature cozening helplessness, taking base advantage of old age and bitter sorrow, and planting strong, cruel feet upon the very tenderness that gave her her opportunity. And at the end, when she had what she had come for, though I was still ignorant of it, She hurried to the door, the old lady was saying. I followed her, surprised. I was interested, attracted by the bright little thing, but she caught the door on the outside and held it closed. Her strength, sir, against mine and in my own house. When finally I got the door open, she had noiselessly stolen away. I writhed there in the dark, but I wouldn't go away. Something held me. It was a craving to know, not what Ted would say, but what he thought. "'It does sound rather bad, Mrs. Lowenthal,' McCabe said lightly. "'But you must remember that a newspaper reporter has no choice but to report what he sees and to see as much as he can. He holds a commission to make public a certain matter. The details of its execution are left to him. A newspaper is a business property, not a school of ethics.' All that the office knows of Miss Massey's manner of doing things is that she never fails. I can well believe that, she said slowly. She is heartless. There was a moment's pause. McCabe shifted his big body in Ted's chair. I heard it squeak. No, I wouldn't say that, McCabe laughed. Heartlessness implies malice. Personal malice. To Miss Massey there is not the least personal element in a case. It is merely a story, and to make a painful story public does not give her pleasure. Nor pain, she added. There is something inhuman in that. No, he contradicted cheerily. It is merely the essence of newspaper success. It makes an excellent reporter. Success? "'She repeated. "'And you are not going to discharge from your paper "'a young woman capable of such an action? "'I beg you will not, though I—' "'Hardly,' replied McCabe, with perfect good nature. "'We couldn't consistently, "'seeing that we have just promoted her for it.' "'Grandma Lowenthal rose. "'I am much relieved to hear it, "'even though I do not understand.' she said with soft sincerity, and I squirmed out there listening to her weary, bewildered voice. It almost prevented my coming to you, the thought that I might be injuring a friendless girl. But I promised myself to befriend her, to see that she was not thrown helpless out into the world, poor child. And as I said in the beginning, since it is my weakness and simplicity that have brought this terrible publicity upon us, I thought it was just that I should try to do what I could, though I know Mr. Lowenthal would disapprove. But I am merely asking your paper to be fair to my grandson. That-that article in this morning's paper made me fear what more you might write about him. There are circumstances which-which justify the boy. I-I have never been in a newspaper office. In my foolish inexperience, "'I thought I had only to explain the way in which this girl procured her facts "'to make you disapprove, and even—I am very old, and as you see, "'I don't understand these things—wish to atone. "'I see my mistake. "'Good evening, sir.' "'McCabe followed her to the door. "'I promise you, Mrs. Lowenthal,' he said, touched, "'to handle the thing with consideration.' We may be heartless, but in a case like this, we are not deliberately unkind. I'd like to assure you of my own sympathy, Mrs. Lowenthal. She bowed. Ted opened the door for the old lady, and drawing her hand within his arm, he took her to the elevator. McCabe called out to him after the elevator had gone down. That's straight about Rhoda's promotion, Ted. City editor. Saucy Rhoda Massey. How's that? Ted waited to answer till he got back into the room and closed the door behind him, and my heart stopped beating and waited, too. She's earned it, hasn't she? McCabe went on. Earned it? Of course she has. She's earned more than that. There was a thrill to Ted's voice that terrified me. She should be decorated with the ribbon of the Legion of Honor for such an achievement, for being a journalistic hero, and then hanged for an unfeeling blackguard at the yardarm. End of chapter 8